Mozart's Die Entführung aus dem Serail. A journey into the exotic. This music is impressive, noisy, great fun. An opera steeped in history. It was a moment of crisis, or seen as a moment of crisis, for Christendom. Where Mozart's writing reaches vertiginous heights. Vocally as torturous as the tortures that she describes in that aria. And not without its challenges for a modern audience. There are elements of these older stereotypes that are generated out of fear. I'm Katie Derham, and welcome to this Glyndebourne podcast. The form may seem familiar, a featherlight romantic comedy. But Mozart's Die Entführung is shot through with an emotional and musical core of extraordinary seriousness from the 26-year-old composer. And its portrayal of 18th-century European attitudes to the meeting of East and West is remarkably insightful. In Die Entführung, the meeting takes place in a Turkish seraglio, where the Spanish nobleman Belmonte is searching for his fiancée Constanza, every bit the classic Christian heroine, who's been taken by the Pasha Selim to join his harem. The story of the separated lovers is expressed with deep, sincere feeling in Mozart's music. Matthew Head is Professor of Music at King's College London. The aria is full of very beautiful and clever pictorialisms where the music matches Belmont's references to trembling, tears, sighs, the beating of his heart, and the phrases grow and swell as though his heart were going to burst out of his chest. And it's the most beautiful representation of romantic love, which was a fairly new type of feeling, in a way, amongst the bourgeoisie of 18th century Europe. connection between the European and Ottoman empires was forged over centuries of war. As Professor Matthew Dimmock from the University of Sussex explains, this history would have been common knowledge for Mozart's fashionable Viennese audience. Vienna in 1781 is a a crucial location. Um, it's one of the centres of the Enlightenment. New kinds of ideas were in circulation and Mozart's drawn to Vienna precisely for this reason. But Vienna is also, a uh, hundred years earlier, a, a crucial location for a different reason, that in 1683 the Ottomans had laid siege for the last time to the city. It was a moment of crisis, or seen as a moment of crisis, for Christendom at the time. So in that sense Vienna has a very particular history uh, in terms of, of Turks and the representation of Turks. Um, and it was very much on the front line in this boundary zone between uh, Christianity and the Ottoman Islamic Empire. At the time of writing Die Entführung, Mozart was in a period of transformation and rapidly developing creativity. Corey Ellison is the dramaturg for Glyndebourne. 
There is uh, this wonderful series of letters um, between August and late September 1781 while Mozart was in Vienna writing this opera, and he's writing to his father. And it's really one of the only times he does articulate a philosophy about writing opera. October the 13th, 1781. In an opera, the poetry must necessarily be the obedient daughter of the music. Why do the Italian comic operas everywhere please with all their wretched poetry? Even in Paris, where I myself witnessed the fact. Because music rules there supreme and all else is forgotten. An opera is certain to become popular when the plot is well worked out, the verse written expressly for the music and not merely to suit some miserable rhyme, which never enhances the value of any theatrical performance, be it what it may, but rather detracts from it, bringing in words or even entire sentences which completely ruin the whole idea of the composer. By this point, in his 20s, he understands very well the dramatic and musical requirements of opera, and he quite boldly states them. He really is able at this point to articulate his really vast knowledge, even at this young age, of how the words and the music fit together in an opera and what the relationship between words and music are. Our first encounter with Mozart's depiction of Turkish characters comes in the form of the brutal Osmin, the Pasha's servant. Matthew Hedigan. Osmin is an extremely attractive and exciting figure, and in many ways he's the hero of the opera, the sort of bogeyman you love to hate. Osmin alone, of all the characters, gives way to a sort of great rage and anger, which really captured Mozart's imagination compositionally. As his wrath gradually increases when the aria appears to be at an end, the Allegro Assai follows in quite another measure and key, which must ensure the best effect, for as a man in such a violent fit of passion transgresses all the bounds of order and propriety and forgets himself in his fury, the same must be the case with the music too. As Osmin's rage builds and builds, the Turkish features of the music um, become more pronounced and when Osmin loses it, then you get particularly sort of violent incursion of a Turkish style. Nonetheless, there is a comic element to his caricature through this music, rather than it being something to take entirely seriously. Just as Osmin's anger boils over, and Mozart says in an interesting phrase, Osmin forgets himself, the aria ends in the wrong key and the wrong tempo, 
which is really unique in Mozart's output. It's as if the music forgets itself, loses its identity. Osmin conformed to a centuries-old stereotype of Muslim characters, the terrible Turk. Matthew Dimmock again. When Mozart comes to the subject matter, it, there's an interesting dichotomy that there are elements of these older stereotypes that are generated out of fear of Ottoman conquest, um, stereotypes of the sort of lascivious, warlike, bombastic, male, martial Turkish figure. That appears in the figure of Osmin, but at the same time we have a very much more enlightened element in the figure of the Pasha. I think that Mozart and Stephanie inherit a new kind of questioning about what Islam was. The, the basic fundamentals that Christians had assumed about Islam for centuries were beginning to be thrown up into the air. The Pasha Selim is a more benign and enlightened representation of a Muslim character. When we meet the Pasha in Act One, he's accompanied by a triumphant chorus that signifies to the audience that the Pasha is held in the highest regard. He's praised in a chorus of Janissaries, and the Janissaries were the elite musicians of the Pasha's court who played both in warfare on the front line to rally troops, but also for ceremonial occasions. Mozart sets the chorus to a march rhythm. On top of that, he adds extra percussion instruments. Um, so he adds a bass drum, cymbals and triangle none of which were commonly used in opera orchestras at the time. And the whole idea is that this music is impressive, noisy, great fun. And in this context, the Turkish music seems to be admiring, celebratory, and um, there is no comic or even negative connotation there. The compositional heights that Mozart reached with Die Entführung are felt in his writing for Constanza. As she comes to understand that the Pasha Selim intends to make her love him, and by any means necessary, the soprano's vocal cords are forced to endure a degree of stress that matches Constanza's emotional torment. <laughs> Corey Ellison and Matthew Head. Mozart wrote quite famously in one of his letters to his father that he had, quote, sacrificed Constanza's aria a bit to the flexible throat of Mademoiselle Cavalieri. She was one of the great prima donnas of Vienna at the time, and the aria to which he was uh, referring 
was Achish Liebte, but he has also written for her two other arias, and perhaps most famous of all, the very long aria, Martin aller Arten, which is probably vocally as torturous as the tortures that she describes in that aria. It just has extremes of high and low, dips down low into the very lowest reaches of a soprano voice, and everything in between. voice is sort of instrumentalized almost till it begins to sound like that of the Queen of the Night in the Magic Flute. In this aria, in which she almost seems to be competing with solo instruments from the orchestra, she emerges as a kind of ecstatic Baroque figure, like a Saint Teresa defending her chastity um, as if it were her most prized object. Belmonte and his servant Pedrillo hatch a plan to rescue Constanza and Pedrillo's love, Blanchin. Pedrillo will get Osmin drunk, but Osmin would be going against his Muslim beliefs to drink alcohol. The lovers have a brief and emotional reunion while Osmin is distracted. As Corey Ellison explains, with Die Entführung, Mozart's writing was entering new dramatic territory. It's probably the first operatic ensemble in which dramatic action moves forward. So that's something that's really progressive. Previously, ensembles and arias were meant only to reflect emotional states, emotional reactions to the plot which had been furthered in the recitative or dialogue. Beyond that, of course, it is just one of the most sublimely beautiful pieces of music that Mozart ever wrote, and that is really saying something. is just within reach for Constanza and Blanchin when Osmin blows their cover. The Pasha awakens. Belmonte, believing it will save their lives, 
reveals that his father is the wealthy nobleman Los Tados. But it turns out that Los Tados was Pasha Selim's sworn enemy, who drove him from his homeland when he was the commandant of the Spanish colony in Oran. Left alone, Belmonte and Constanza face their inevitable fate. I think that the whole thrust of the action through the opera leads us, and indeed the characters in the opera, to believe that once the Christians are caught, that the Pasha is going to exact a certain amount of revenge. Um, and what we get instead is a benevolent, magnanimous Pasha who turns away from this idea of exacting vengeance upon them. He says something along the lines of, I will not be a barbarian like uh, your father. Um, it's much better to do a good deed and to see its consequences than to follow a bad deed with another bad one. And, and the Pasha actually turns an audience's assumptions on its head. There's been great speculation about why the Pasha, a pivotal leading character, never sings a note, even at this crucial turning point. The debate goes on. It can certainly seem that his authority is so great that it can't be represented in any one sound of music and that his speaking is the ultimate sign of his power as well as his rationality, as though music were too emotional a medium for him to communicate in. The reality seems to be a little bit more mundane. The libretto and the personnel available for the first staging seem to have required that the Pasha be a speaking part rather than singing. Perhaps it's because he's a European-born Muslim convert who ends up embodying Enlightenment values. The Pasha is a character who teeters between the East and the West and he fits entirely into neither one of them. The reasons for the Pasha's change of heart remain ambiguous and difficult to determine. The fact that the Pasha's a renegade is another interesting element, this idea that he is a convert from Christianity, because it raises the possibility that the noble, benevolent element of the conclusion to the opera is that Christian part of him that remains. What's interesting about the opera is the way in which it refuses to allow us any easy answers to this. Nowhere does anybody say that that's the case. Um, and the incredible final flourish is explicitly Islamic in terms of its musical emphasis. The way the Pasha turns to return to his harem at the end, um, he's kind of triumphant even though he doesn't win Constanza to be his love. It's his benevolence that makes him the extraordinary figure he is. Die Entführung presents us with magnificently thrilling music from a composer who has just reached the full height of his artistic powers. It throws up challenging questions about the depiction of Islamic characters on stage, especially for us today, and presents us with a snapshot of 18th century Europe which was transforming its attitudes to the East. It's this complexity and depth, both musical and dramatic, that makes Die Entführung such a fascinating masterwork.
and one worthy of repeated consideration. The music you've been listening to in this podcast is taken from the Decca Classics recording of Mozart's Die Entführung with George Scholte conducting the Vienna Philharmonic. (laughs) 